Welcome to the Fitbox Podcast. This is your host, Joseph Frankie. Glad you're here listening. On our podcast, we talk about two main things. First and foremost, we interview members of Fitbox so that way you can hear their stories about how they're repaying debt, how they're saving for retirement, buying homes, all this type of stuff really to give you motivation and some different ideas. That's the first thing we talk about. The second thing our podcast do is we take individual finance topics and go through them in more detail. So that way you can say, does this apply to me? And how does this apply to my plan? So if you have questions or you want to sign up for Fitbucks, you can do so in the show notes, fitbucks.com, build your profile, schedule a call. We'll be talking to you soon. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Fitbucks podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Joseph Branke. Today, um, th- these are my favorite episodes where you actually get to interview people that are doing stuff, right? Because a lot of podcasts, like, it's either me talking about some type of financial theory or mindset, um, or I might be interviewing somebody that, you know, is just another financial professional giving out tips. But my favorite ones are when we talk to students at new grads, people have been out for a while because you get to hear their journey. It gives you guys some inspiration. And today, that is what we're doing. Uh, Jonas, welcome to the show. Um, go ahead and, and introduce yourself. Um, I know a lot of people might know you from social media postings and whatnot, but Jonas, go for it. Hey, Joe, thank you for the introduction and just... Thank you for the podcast and the opportunity to have me here. So a little bit about me. I'm 28. I'm a current travel physical therapist. Um, I'm originally from Chicago, Illinois, and I've been a PT for about three years. Yeah, time flies. (laughs) And I'm just going to kind of talk about um, like finances and what I did coming from school because I really didn't come from a family of money. Um, Both my parents, they're from uh they they came here in the 80s from east africa the country is called eritrea so i really didn't have a financial background my parents they just came to this country um so i kind of learned everything um just from books and people so i'll kind of just share my journey um about that in general yeah i mean let's start there i mean in terms of finance stuff like you talk about that journey start reading books and all that type of stuff when, when did you start doing that? Was it more of a recent thing? Was it something that you did when you were younger? Like, where did you start at when you started reading and picking up some of the stuff? Yeah, it definitely was not in grad school, in BT school, because I was just so focused on finishing school. And there really is not time um, to think outside the box because you kind of just, um, it just kind of forces you um, just to have the tunnel vision on graduating because it's so intense. So I pretty much learned about it um, about a year and a half after PT school during my first home health job um, on the drives because the job was extremely rural and it was a great first travel job. It was in the home health setting. They actually provided a company car and the drives were very long. Like there were some days where I would drive about one hour long um, to see a patient and then I would get, I pretty much would get paid to drive. So that was amazing. (laughs) I was not, I do like to drive and there were some very nice sites, but pretty much during the drives, I would listen to podcasts and to audiobooks, And like, I would consistently do that like each day during my long one hour drives. And eventually once I kept on hearing the same thing over and over and over and over and over, 
it like changed my mindset after like probably one year, I'd say. Um, at first, some of the things sounded crazy, but then once I kept on listening to books and to, to podcasts and audiobooks, and then I would talk to different people and then I would kind of um, really think on it and really reflect on it. That was kind of when I thought about finances in a different way. It just took constantly hearing the same thing over and over and over um, to kind of adjust my mindsets. Yeah, and a few key points you brought up. First and foremost, like when we do our workshops at universities and whatnot, yeah. I tell them all the time, the, the first time you hear something, you're going to retain about 20% of it. Oh, so right. it, on average, it, it will take about four to five times from hearing something before you actually process, like, this is actually, I know this now, this is what this means. So hearing it over and over again is awesome. And then like you were saying with driving, you know, that's one of the things that I used to do all the time. You let it be on a subway, let it be driving, whatever it is. Yeah. It's just listening to something instead of like the radio and listening to music. It's like, you know, this is an optimal time to learn. And we call that in the world of finance, especially at Fitbox, because this is something that we look at all the time is human capital. So like when you're learning something, let it be a language, let it be about finance, let it be about marketing, whatever it is, like you're spending your, your free time learning something. Um, and that it, it's massive. Like you said, it's hard to do while you're in school because you're that you are building human capital. You're learning to become DD. Like that's part of it. Um, but once you're done, it's like, Hey, what else did we do? Like, what else can I keep learning? And you got to keep learning. You don't just stop. Right. Um, and so, yeah, you know, let's go back to, to PT school, you know, when you graduated, um, you know, what was your, your financial situation? That way everybody knows, you know, kind of where you were starting at. What was your financial situation at that time? Yeah. So graduating from my undergrad, um, I had about 30,000 in debt and then graduating from PT school, I had about 90 in debt. So when I graduated, I had about 120,000 in debt. Um, I think I had maybe like a thousand dollars in my bank account. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I had all this debt and that little money and I really didn't know what to do. So now that I did graduate, I did have free time. I tried to research as much as possible. Like what the heck do I do? I have all this debt. And I was offered a job that pays like $29 per hour, which that like doesn't make sense for all that debt. Um, so then I was thinking, man, I really need to figure something out ASAP. Um, and then I actually reached out to Fitbooks as well, um, just to kind of counsel me um, and figure out what to do. So I'm actually very thankful for that resource. Uh, <laughs> that was very helpful once I do graduate, um, once I do graduate. Uh, PT school because because I was about one hundred and twenty thousand dollars in debt and I didn't know what to do at the time and I didn't have that much money and um, I was living with my parents so there wasn't too much pressure to do something quickly thankfully I'm very blessed yeah yeah no it's um you know that that's a common situation we see I mean for those of you that you know don't know this um it's something like, so we, we primarily, for those of you who don't know, we started with PTs. Like that's who we started working with. And since then, I mean, we help everybody now, but we primarily focus on healthcare stuff and just in grad school students in general and whatnot. Um, but it's, we did a poll and 43% of the people on our platform are actually living it with their parents. So it, it's something like when they first graduate. So it's something that we see, you know, actually quite a bit. Um, and 
you know, I remember seeing, you know, Jonas, when your, when your profile came through, I didn't talk to you personally on the phone. No, it's hard to imagine. I I just pulled up those notes and you're right. I was like, when you were messaging me the other day, I was like, you didn't graduate that long ago. It was three years ago. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) holy cow. But a lot, a lot has happened in those three years. Most notably, uh, like you said, you had $120,000 in, in debt. Um, and you, you turn that around to having a positive net worth, go ahead and, and talk about that just, just real quickly though, before we go into that okay. net worth, those of you that don't know is basically a simple formula. It's just what's your assets minus your debt equals your net worth. Well, so with Jonas having 120 grand in debt, um, his net worth was basically negative $120,000 plus the thousand dollars you had in your, in your bank account. So your net worth was a negative $119,000, right? Um, so let's start there. You know, what did you do? Uh, first of all, like, what do you do on, on, you know, each step of the way for like your student loan plan, investments, um, yep. working in terms of like travel, all that stuff. Like, just take us through that process of what happened. That probably the first, let's just go to like the first year out of school and then go from there. Yes. So the first year out of school, um, I accepted just a job. It was, it was a good teaching hospital job. Um, it didn't pay well, but it was a very good learning experience. There was good mentorship. Um, so I was okay with doing that at first just to kind of learn. Um, and then eventually I um, refinanced a portion of my loans um, at a low interest rate because I kind of wanted um, to pay them off quickly at the time. And the thing is, I kind of changed my mindset multiple times um, within the past three years since graduating. So if I would have known the things I know now, I probably would have done it differently, but that's okay. It's all a learning experience. And I'll just tell my future kids this or or something. (laughs) I'll tell someone else this. Because, yeah, and that's okay. I've learned that, um, that things changed and I learned a lot from them. And as long as you come up on top at the end of the day, that's all good. Um, yeah, so I ended up refinancing um, the high interest loan. So about 80% of them. And then I kept about 20% of them federal. Um, and I wasn't in a rush to pay the federal runs because the interest rate was very low. It was like, I think like 3.1 around that. Yep. Uh, yep. And then um, just in general, I'm on track to pay them off in about two years. And I'm kind of taking my time and I'm paying them, paying them off very slowly. Um, I, once I graduated, so since t- two years since graduating, I did have enough to pay them off full on flat. But I decided um, to not pay them off because the, the money that I potentially could invest could um, have a higher interest rate. Um, than was being charged on the loans yep. and mindset shift was insane for me. Cause at first I just wanted to be done with it as soon as possible for the peace of mind. Um, and that's, and that's fine too. Cause you can go to sleep at night. Um, but just when looking at the numbers, looking at the math um, and putting it on, on paper, mathematically, it didn't make sense to pay them off as soon as possible. Um, and also I read a lot of different books that kind of talked about doing both. So it kind of just gave me the opportunity to just filter out what's best for my situation. Cause a lot of people have a lot of different tips, different advice, but it really just depends 
on the person and what works best for them because everyone has different goals. Yep. That's right there. Yep. Yeah. And that's the key thing is always whenever you're learning this stuff, taking it and saying, what pieces can I then apply to me? And just to let you guys know, um, so I'm looking at some of the stuff on Jonas's profile. He he basically had a 3.25% rate on his refinance loans. And so a lot of people, you know, they're going gung-ho debt payoff, right? So they just keep paying it and paying it and paying it. And what Jonas was referring to was as he started learning more, I mean, his initial thing was like, yeah, let's pay this off, right? Like, you know, try to get out of this as fast as possible. But what he had decided to do as he read more and more, he was like, well, wait a second, you know, three, 3.25%, those are some pretty low rates. I, I think I can take this money and I know enough to actually invest it and make more money than 3.25%. And so that's, that's where the shift came. Um, and so, you know, we see that all the time. Some people say, look, I, I still don't know anything about investing. So I'd rather just pay off my debt and then turn around and, and invest afterwards. And some people do like what Jonas did. And it's like, look, you know, either way works. You got to do it what's right for you, right? Before we get into the investment side, though, um, the travel stuff and, and home health and everything, what, what convinced you to, to go that route? When did you make that decision? Like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do like traveling stuff. Yeah, so I just kind of like thought about the future and I was like, the, the current job I have, in a hospital, it's amazing. But if I want to have more goals uh, financially and just more opportunities to do stuff, this this was not it. Like I wanted to just find ways to increase my income um, from working PT jobs. And then like one way was travel therapy because that was kind of an easy way to jump into it. Um, so one of the things I did do just to um, to increase my net worth was just try to find as many ways as possible to increase my income. Um, so travel therapy is one of the many ways. And if you find the right job, if you do your research, um, it can be pretty lucrative, but I really do like, um, typically most travel jobs pay more than a permanent job. This is not every job, but most jobs. And then I like the flexibility just to travel, to explore a brand new city at this age. Um, I was, I'm a single traveler, so I kind of um, don't have any responsibilities. So this is a good time to travel. And some days it feels like a paid vacation. So I was like, yeah, might as well give it a try, try something new. And I'm also pretty extroverted and I like traveling in general. So I figured might as well do that. And I, I also like the opportunity that um, when your contract is done, you can kind of decide when you wanna um, travel again. Cause I feel like these days, a lot of people want the like time freedom and like with a travel contract, you kind of have the flexibility um, to pick your next contract. So I think like having the time freedom, like at times that's, that's even more important than having like financial. Well, I mean, that's a part of financial freedom, but it's having the flexibility to do things that you want. That's like import. That's more important than having money in some cases. Cause there's like different kinds of wealth. There's like financial wealth. There's like physical wealth. There's like time wealth. Um, and I, and I think like time wealth is very important. And with travel contracts, I, I really like the flexibility of when you can take a contract. Yeah. One of the big things you just said that, that I, I try to stress to everybody is that financial wealth and financial freedom actually means different things to different people. Like I, I see all the time people are like, 
you know, my net wealth needs to get to a million dollars and I'm financially free. It's like, first of all, no shot. Second of all, it's like financially free means something different for, for us. What I always say is, is financial freedom and financial security is actually more of a mindset. And we break it down not to a dollar amount. It's actually having an understanding, being able to put together a plan and then being able to implement that plan and knowing that you're implementing it correctly. And if you're doing those three things, you don't really have to stress about money. And then, like you said, if you like to travel and everything, then it's great. And um, you went to Southwest Baptist, correct? Yes, sir. So all school in Southwest Missouri and Bolivar. So I came from Chicago and from my undergrad, I went to U of I in Champaign, which is like a big 10 party school. It's like humongous. And then I went to very small Christian school in the Bible Belt. So a totally different culture shift. Yeah. So if none of you know, if you guys don't know where Southwest Baptist is at, it's in Boulevard, Missouri. I've been out there three times. Unfortunately, I like we were brand new when you graduated. So I, right. I didn't get, get a chance to come out, but I've talked to, I think the last three years graduating classes, like nice. I've gone out there and it's literally like, I, I fly into the Kansas airport all the time when I go. And from there, it's like an hour drive. Um, you have to go through like Clintonia and all this stuff, like, and you just drive straight and, and all of a sudden there's a small little city and it's like, Oh, all right. So yeah, I can see why you wanted to travel and, and get out and go and see everything. Um, and we'll talk about the travel stuff again, you know, because yeah. like you said, actually, you know what, let's talk about that too, before we go into the investment stuff. Um, you talked about like, it gives you the freedom to go different places and whatnot. Um, I mean, you're unique. You went to a place that I, I've never heard as a traveler going to. Um, and yeah, you're in San Francisco right now. I'm not referring to San Francisco. I'm referring to the other, the last, the other contract you did. Share with everybody where, where you were able to go uh, and do a contract and everything. Or share the, all the places you've been to so far. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, so the first contract, uh, it was in Galesburg, which is a very small town in Illinois. And then from then, I was just pretty much in the Bay Area. Like, I was in Oakland, um, in Novato, which is in the North Bay of California. I was in Puma, which is also in the North Bay of California. And I was in Pacifica, which is in the peninsula, which is also kind of in the Bay Area. Um, And then after that, I was in the Virgin Islands. So actually, before this contract, I landed a contract in the U.S. Virgin Islands. Um, it was in the outpatient setting as a PT, and I was there for uh, six months actually. And I and I almost took a permanent job and said, <laughs> forget "Everything, forget finances. I'm just going to stay there." It was close. It was actually very close. So I had to stop because if I would have kept on staying, then I would have just been there for good, <laughs> which is okay sometimes because I was because it was a very different experience. It was it was amazing. I can talk for days on that i can write a book on that probably what 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 was different about just in terms of pt like what's different about the the virgin islands would you say relative to to some of the jobs that you've taken like in the bay area and whatnot out in california yeah i mean pt wise it's the same because it's still a u.s territory it was in the outpatient setting um i worked like four 10-hour shifts um it was like a busy outpatient place. Um, we used wet PT documentation. PT wise, it, it was similar. Um, I guess the demographics were different because there in the Virgin Islands, about 80% of the population is Afro-Caribbean. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of cool. Um, cause me, cause so I'm, I'm also a person of color. So it was kind of cool to treat more people of color because as a different pers- perspective, cause I think one cool thing about traveling is, um, it's just good to, um, to treat, I guess, like different cultures and stuff. Cause you really, um, it's just a different experience. So I think it's good to explore, um, and just in general to, just to, treat different pa- patient populations because that makes you a better therapist and just more adaptable to situations. Um, but physical therapy wise, it pretty much was uh, about the same. It was a typical outpatient clinic, um, but there was an amazing view. It was on top of a hill and you can see uh, the Atlantic Ocean and the, no, sorry, the Caribbean Sea. Um, the Atlantic Ocean was a little bit further off so I couldn't see it from the clinic, but there was a beautiful view um, of the outpatient clinic. So that's a little bit about the changes. Um, I worked, I'll just talk a little bit more, but I worked 410. So I had a three day weekend consistently, and then you can go to different islands. Um, the, you can see sea turtles, um, or stingrays if you go snorkeling and the water there, it's, 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 it's so blue, so clear. There's different shades. Um, it's kind of like a vacation. So it was an amazing experience. Um, there, there definitely are some cons just like with every location, um, but the pros definitely outweighed the cons and it was an amazing experience. Overall. So I'm gonna take a note to, to myself. I'm gonna tell my wife to take a six month contract in, in the Virgin Islands and I will be running Fitbucks four days a week from a, from a house in the, in the Virgin Islands while she's working. <laughs> there is a university there. So if you can find your way to talk finances to the university. There you go. There you go. It's like, you know, for our stuff, a lot of it's, yeah, a lot of the workshop stuff is in person, but a lot of what we do is, you know, over the phone and over the internet. So I could, I could do it in the Virgin Islands and then, you know, she could pick up a contract for six months. Like I'm, I'm all right with that. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah, because before yeah, you mentioned that, I had no idea that they had travel contracts out there. Um, but that is is phenomenal. That is awesome to hear. Um, on the investment side, um, yep. you know, what did you decide to do? Like, so, you know, talk about the different types. Of, actually, let's go to that first. Let's talk about what you research in terms of investments all the way from like real estate stocks. Like if you ever thought about doing like crypto stuff, cause that's the big thing yeah. right now. Right. You know, where, where did your, your studies take you, you know, what were you learning about? And then ultimately, you know, why did you decide to go the route that you decided? Yeah. I mean, before I even like dive into the investment side, like the main three things that I try to do, like the main, like simple concepts that I try to do, um, to reach my financial goals is like one, I try to increase my income as much as possible. And I try to also keep my expenses low as much as possible. So I kind of still live like a college student sometimes. Um, and then with the extra money, I just try to invest the rest. So just try to increase my income, keep my expenses low and invest the rest. Those are just like three simple things, um, that I try to do. Yes. But in, um, in no, you're okay. Of, Keep going. No, okay. Yeah. And then um, in terms of my investments, yeah, there's a lot of noise out there. There's a ton of things on social media. So I think um, one thing that I do do to filter it out is like I research stuff. I hear books, audio books, you know, podcasts, 
And then I talk to people about it that are doing it um, successfully. Cause I know there's like a lot of like therapists that talk about finances, um, but it's also good to talk to people to non-therapists that are like actually doing the stuff, like, like talk to like um, very successful in investors that are not therapists. Cause I think sometimes we just think that we have to reach out to therapists about finances, but there are people that do this for a full-time job that have done it for multiple generations um, that are very successful. So I think one thing that I've learned is to like, to see what a person's doing um, with their assets, with their finances and like try to uh, pick their brain. Yeah. But I've kind of, um, yeah. So I definitely research um, in investing in stocks, investing in cryptos, inv investing in real estate, um, which I, I can talk a lot about, but I'll just focus on uh, real estates because I recently purchased a property on um, for real estate. So this might sound crazy, but uh, just this past March, actually, while while I was in the Virgin Islands, right, um, I purchased an out-of-state investment property. It was a it was a four-unit property in um, Kansas City, Missouri. So while I was in the Virgin Islands, I bought a home online. That sounds crazy. It's, yeah, <laughs> it sounds insane. It's not. Yeah, it actually sounded insane to me when I first heard the idea. But then when I kept on hearing about it for about a year and a half, then I was like, oh, okay, this makes sense. Because I think the more research that I did, the less afraid I was. Um, and I think that's with any investment, the more that you research something, the more that you understand it, the less fear there is. And kind of in my mindset, I think there's more of a risk if I don't invest my money. Like I think there's, it's like, I feel less secure if I didn't invest the money but that's just because I did my research and I felt like I understood what I was putting my money in um, and I did a ton of research on the property on the market on the team on the ground as well yeah I just a little bit yeah I can absolutely absolutely a lot of people don't think about that with real estate because people think of real estate as buying a primary house right so like when people are like I can't believe you bought a property without seeing it it's like a lot of them, will, they're thinking, well, why would you ever buy a property? Because they're thinking, I'm going to live in this thing, right? Yep. But when, when you come down to it, if you're buying something as an investment property, let's just say it's like a triplex or a fourplex or a duplex. For those of you that, again, that are listening to this, that don't know what that is, duplex is two units, triplex is three units, uh, fourplex is obviously four units. Um, just some side notes for you guys, the reason why you know, there's a main concentration on those is because you can still get conforming loans, which are Fannie Mae loans. So they're a lot cheaper. Once you go above four units, you start hitting commercial properties and those investment loans are a lot, a lot more expensive. Okay. So it's easier to buy a duplex to a fourplex uh, in terms of qualifications, but it's also cheaper in terms of interest rates. Okay. So getting the fourplex, when, when you start looking at those investments, it's really numbers. I mean, at the end of the day, that, that's all it is. It's numbers, it's understanding the market and you don't need to, 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 visualize, to visually see it. I mean, you can pay someone to go out and do inspections for you and everything else. And as long as the numbers line up, what do you need to see it for? It, it's like, to, to me, I used to relate it to this because like my, my, my dad used to do a lot of investment properties. I, I'm more of a, of a stock guy, but I, I go and I you know, tell people, you know, if you're going to invest in the stock market, let's just say you're, you're 401k and, and you have mutual funds in your 401k and those mutual funds hold two or 300 companies. 
are, are you going to go visit two or 300 companies just to go check out their headquarters and, you know, to see the buildings? It's like, no, it, it's just numbers. Like, so to your point, you know, I, like being an investment person, I'm not shocked <laughs> that you never went and saw the property. But like a lot of people, I get to see them being like, well, holy cow, like you didn't even see it. Um, but one of the things I want to ask you, so you went into to the fourplex, which I get because, you know, you're talking about the income side of things as well. That's one of the ways you can build income and whatnot. First of all, what, what is your strategy now that you have that unit? Are you trying to pay off that, that mortgage as fast as possible so that way you get that income? Are you trying to keep it as levered as possible so that way you can put money into another unit? Um, you know, what type of mortgages you end up get? And, yep. you know, go from there. So, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So now with my change mindset, I'm okay with taking more debt, especially if it's this kind of debt from a home. Um, so with this property, um, I just want to do a buy and hold where I'm going to hold it as much as possible. I took a 30 year conventional loan. Um, I put down 20% um, for the property. And this sounds crazy to buy a property out of state. Um, but I did a ton of research and I do have some friends in the area because it was kind of close to where I went for grad school and I'm very familiar with the markets and the, and the trends and the job growth. Um, and then also in the Midwest, it's like um, properties are, are, are cheaper there too um, than for example, in the West Coast where a fourplex would millions, whatever. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, trust me. I I know the, 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 the property prices, especially in the Bay area, they're, they're ridiculous. There's a reason why I moved from the Bay area. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, you know, maybe after the podcast, we'll talk about the 30 year IO loans, um, yeah. that you can get for through Fannie Mae. Um, I don't even know if they still have them or not, but uh, they used to, and that's what I always use, but we'll, we'll talk about those. That's, that's a whole nother podcast. Uh, <laughs> go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. But also, yeah. So I plan on doing a buy and hold um, for as long as possible because um, and I don't plan to live in the property because um, I do um, the property cash flows well after after all of the expenses and I make sure to save for like each expense. Um, I don't want to go too much in detail because I guess that's not the focus of the podcast. Right. And then it'll kind of uh, unless mommy. No, you can go. You can go into as much detail as you want to let, let people know how you're doing it. That's good. Okay. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Yes. Um, so I try to save for ex expenses um, just in case. And I save about 5% um, for a vacancy, The about 10% for the property management company, 5% um, for the maintenance and repairs for the property, and then 5% for the capital expenditures, which are like the big time expenses, like if the roof goes down. Um, and then after that, um, it still cash flows well, and I'm able. I mean, yeah. And that's awesome. It's basically you have you have control of an asset, and somebody else is paying for it. It's like so the the risk is basically almost nothing unless you have vacancies, which is why you know I was saying it's a numbers game at that point. It's you don't necessarily need to see the properties. It's a numbers game, and it's like you know we did the same thing. Like when I moved from California, we owned our house almost free and clear in, in San Jose. Ooh, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's been ridiculous. What's, I mean, I grew up in San Jose. So to see what's happened over the last 35 years is ridiculous. But yeah. 
you know, I told my wife, I was like, you know, this is, we have all this equity in this house is, is ridiculous sitting here. It's like, we could take cash out of the house, pay cash for a house in, in Texas, move to Texas, save money on state income taxes and turn around and rent the house. And the rent would be so much that is covering everything. It's covering property taxes, homeowners insurance, maintenance, the mortgage, and we're still cash flowing. Why would we still sit in this this place in San Jose? Like, you know, this is ridiculous. So yeah, it's like it's just a numbers game at that point. We're like, okay, great. Like, let's move. Like, what are we waiting for? Um, so that is good to see a new grad, you know, come out and, and, and do all that. What, one of the questions I've asked you, so like you said, you research things like crypto and, and stocks and what's not. Let, let's start with stocks first. First of all, you know, how come you chose to, to dump the money into real estate instead of saying, hey, look, I'm going to go the, the stock market route? Because I, I see a lot of travelers right. that read stuff online and they're just dumping money hands over fists in the stock market. They really don't know what they're doing. Like they don't have any experience in the stock market, but they're just going stock market, stock market, stock market. Um, how come you chose to, to go real estate versus the stock market? Yeah, so I I do um, invest in the stock market too because um, I do both because um, mm -hmm. I'm good to diversify just um, based on your comfort level um, and they're both good. They both have their pros and cons, of course. Um, Let me rephrase that question. Why did you yeah. choose to, to take the down payment to put it in the real estate instead of keeping that into the in the stock market? Okay. Yeah. Okay. okay, okay. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, so I guess I chose um, to keep, yeah, to invest the down payment for the real estate um, just to kind of get my feet wet to kind of get started. Um, it was mainly because I kept on hearing it on podcasts and it seems like there's an opportunity for it to appreciate over time where the home would increase in value. Um, Cause I think I bought it in a pretty good area. And then, well, I wouldn't say I prefer one over the other. I could say why I like real estate and why I like stocks, but I wouldn't say I like one more than the other. That's a tough question, actually. That's a, that, that's yeah. But, 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 sorry, but I do like real estate because my uh, plan is, so I pretty much took on debt for, for the home that people are paying down for me, right? And then, and then I plan to do a cash out refinance um, where I can refinance the loan and use that money for a down payment for another property. So it's kind of like recycling the money. So your return is, is better with time. Yep. So I kind of like also the fact that it's kind of tangible and you have more control over a physical asset. Um, but I do like uh, stocks as well. So I'm not saying I, 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 I don't like stocks and just go real estate. I'm saying I like both and they both have pros and cons. <laughs> yeah. So you, you're like, you remember where I was at probably like 10 years ago and looking at these things and being like, I'm doing this and there's a reason I like them both. And you can't like come up with an answer like off the top of your head. Right. So when we, we started Fitbooks, I was like, what's the easiest way to explain this to somebody? Like, why would you go into stocks? Why would you do stuff like IRS? Why would you do stuff like real estate? Why do you do these different assets? Yep. And the, the term that we use at Fitbox is retirement income diversification. 
So whenever somebody talks about diversification, all they talk about is the asset holdings because they're talking about the risks of the ups and downs of the market and smoothing out those risks. But what they people don't talk about is when you're in retirement and you brought up income earlier, how you want to increase your income. Investments are one way to do that, where you're getting interest and dividends and rental income. And the thing is, is that too many people in this country, all they have is their 401k. And that can be taxed a certain way and Congress can change tax laws on that. So if Congress changes their tax laws on that and that's all your money's in, you're screwed, right? So the goal over the years, you know, you, you graduated at like 25, by the time you hit, you know, 55, 65, whatever it is, you want to have assets in different locations that are generating different flows of income for you because you can never predict tax laws. And so it's like, okay, well, if tax laws change on dividends and on stocks, well, it doesn't matter because I got real estate. Okay. And I'll give you an example. Like my dad's running into this right now. Cause I told you, you know, he does a lot of, of real estate investments. They're talking about getting rid of the 1031 exchanges. And that's that. one of the biggest ways to grow wealth in real estate. And yep. he's like, shit, what am I supposed to do? You know, how, like, well, what do I do? And it's like, you're, you're, you're stuck, you're screwed. And then they just, in California, they just changed Prop 13 for property taxes and all of his properties are in California. So his costs are going to go skyrocket through the roof. So it's like, you want to have as many different assets as possible the older you yep. get because they're going to be generating different returns and different tax consequences and different incomes off of them. So if one thing changes over here, you're okay because you got this other stuff over here. So that's why we, we termed it retirement income diversification because I was in the same spot you were I'm like I'm reading all this stuff I know why I'm doing it but I just can't put my finger on why <laughs> like what's yep. the term like what do I call this so yeah that's what we call that retirement income diversification that's a good lesson for all of you guys listening is to have as many as possible now I brought up cryptocurrencies are you are you invested in cryptocurrencies I am I am I am which ones um so it's primarily in in uh bitcoin and so Probably about 80% of my crypto allocations in big, probably like 80 to 85% in Bitcoin and about 10% in, uh, in Ethereum. And then the rest are just in like very small coins that'll probably do nothing just, just for fun. <laughs> um, and I also thought this was crazy too, until I researched it a lot and I talked to people that are um, doing it. Um, so what, what yeah. sold you on it in your research? When you're researching it, like what sold you on, on specifically like Bitcoin and Ethereum? Because yeah. like you said, those are the two big that, that you're in, big coins that you're in. So what, what sold you on making that plunge? Yep. Um, so I think Bitcoin makes sense with the current world that we're in. Um, there's a, a lot of reasons. So with inflation, right, with the... Um, the more, I guess, that we print dollars here, the more that it brings down the value of the dollar. Um, so some, I mean, that's not good for the for the the dollar value. With uh, Bitcoin, it doesn't change really, and there is a set cap of uh, twenty one million, I believe, Bitcoin. Mm. Um, so that's pretty cool. Um, the fact that it's very instant, like you can send money across the country, boom, into just like that. Um, cause I know a lot of people want to send money, um, for a far distance. And if you send it with the bank, it takes a long time. Um, 
but it's also very volatile, right? So that, that can be a double-edged sword. But I really like, one thing I like about it is um, a term that one of my, um, that one of my mentors told me, uh, he said like with Bitcoin, there's, um, there's a lot of asymmetric opportunity with it, where that means there's a chance it can just grow and explode, right? Um, and then there's, there is a chance where it, it goes down to nothing. But I don't know if I'm, I'm explaining it right, but it's saying um, this has like an opportunity to be a huge uh, growth in my lifetime by putting money into it now. Um, so I just say the opportunities and the asymmetric opportunity with, with the Bitcoin, it's very appealing, but I think it's just good to invest the money that you can afford to lose because it's very volatile. Um, but I honestly... I thought it was crazy, but now I'm like a Bitcoin believer, <laughs> which, which yeah. sounds crazy because I think it makes sense. Um, and I think a lot of countries might try to adapt it because because they don't like the control um, that the that the U.S. dollar has. So with Bitcoin, it's like not controlled by anyone. Um, I like. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's really not controlled. So I think that's that's kind of cool. That's appealing. And then. These days, I mean, with the pandemic, most people don't want to like, like talk to people in person or like pay with physical dollars. So Bitcoin, it's it's definitely, it's it's digital. So I think that's kind of where the future is going. And who knows? In ten years, once I go back on this podcast, Bitcoin's gonna either be a million dollars or it'll be nothing. And <laughs> yeah. Knows? So those of you that don't know, I'll dive into you know, asymmetrical returns. Just kind of define that, like the way I think about this. And why, why the rationale is because everything, the, the number one thing you need to know about investments is that it's always risk risk return. And that's what most people always focus on is return only. And it's actually more important. Like the guy that taught me, it's like, if, if you can learn risk and price risk correctly, you'll, you become a millionaire because risk is the hardest thing to gauge and saying, where should I put my money based on this risk? And so what asymmetrical type of returns is, is I, I'll actually... Because this is the reason why a lot of people that I know that went into Bitcoin and some of these coins, why they did it. They said, look, let's just say I have $5,000 I want to invest and I want to put that into like a small size, you know, stock. And I'm willing to go like into like a smaller company or a mid cap company because that's what I'm used to. The reality is, is that I might make, you know, maybe five to 10% per year on that. And that company can go bankrupt. So my, my, my stock investment can go to zero. And a lot of companies that are smaller cap, that's why you're trying to get into them early before they kind of hit these big upswings. But there's also a lot of risk in them because a lot of them might only have like one income stream, but not diversified. They have leverage, whatever it is. So you're taking this risk for a 5 to 10% return and you might lose everything versus, hey, I, I take this $5,000, I go into Bitcoin. Yeah, it can go to zero. But my upside, it can go to being worth hundred grand. It could be worth two hundred grand. Like the the uh, the the return, the asymmetrical return is like, hey, this is what I can lose. Like a hundred percent is what I can lose, but the upside is like a thousand percent or two thousand percent. So if you look at like a distribution of returns, the upside is massive. And then you just have to say, look, you know, what's the probability of that, you know, happening? And do I view that the risk, yes, it's more risk than a stock, but for the incremental risk that I'm taking, is it worth it for those asymmetrical types of returns? And that's 
where I see a lot of people being like, look, I have money in some of these risky areas in the stock market. I would take that money and go into coins. Like it's the upside is that much more. Um, and for me, you know, what I always tell people, and I don't care if people go into coins or not, like, but you hit the nail on the head, you researched it. Like that's my main message to people. What I don't like seeing is like, you brought up some of these PTs that put stuff on the, on social media all the time. Right. And, uh, you know, they, they've researched it like great, like whatever it is, but then they go out and they put something on the internet and I've literally seen comments to them where people are like, which one, which one do I go into? Which coin? Right. And they'll be like, well, you know, which one do you like? They're like, we have no idea. We don't know anything about coins. Just tell us which one to buy. It's like, what, what are you doing? Right. Like, that's what you don't want to do. Um, so yeah, hitting the nail on the head with, you know, researching it and understanding it, you know, cause you can make money on it if you know what you're doing and, and you've researched it well and, and so on and so forth. So um, what's next? I mean, what investments are you looking at now? Where do you see yourself going from here? Yeah. So I guess, like these investments, they sound risky, um, but I am safe as well. So like I invest in my Roth IRA um, and I max that out, right? Because um, once you put it in, it gets taxed. And then when you take it out, um, it, it does not get taxed. So I consistently max out my Roth IRA retirement. Um, so I do kind of invest somewhat safely to in, in, in some instances, yeah. But um, the reason why I guess I take these risks now is, is because I feel like um, I do have time to make mistakes. Um, and I feel like time is our greatest friend with investing in assets because there's a phrase, the best time to invest um, was yesterday and the next best time is right now today because the more time you have, the, the more you do it, even if it's a boring investment because investing, it should be boring, right? There shouldn't be things that go crazy up and down Although we do see a lot of that today with like cryptocurrency, um, but investing, I think it should be boring um, for it to be sustainable for the long term. Yeah. Um, you know, but, what's funny is uh, I, I tell people all the time, like especially those that are like undergrads or like eighteen that are just really wanting to get into investments. And I'm not talking about money management where they're just trying to get you know like five to eight return percent returns. Like they come to me asking, and because those of you that don't know, my background is investing, so it's like they come to me about like, I want to be an investor. Like, what do I, what's the first thing to do? And I always tell people, it's like, it's actually counterintuitive. It's right. like, you know, put money in the market and lose money as fast as you can. And people are like, well, why would you want to lose money as fast as you can? And I'm like, look, when the market goes up and when you make a stock investment and it goes up, you could sit there and, and fool yourself thinking, hey, it went up because I looked at this and this is the reason why it went up and you might completely miss why. But when it goes down, you're going to learn a hell of a lot more because you're going to be like, okay, I didn't even think about that. And you can't kid yourself on why you lost money. And so those losing like money, like that will teach you a ton. And the faster you lose, the faster you learn and then you don't make those mistakes again. And the faster you can go in and actually find better investments and better investments and better investments. And I mean, I, I mean, when I first started off, I mean, that was the first thing I ever did was put money into like a real estate deal when I was like 13. 
I mean, I lost it within six months and it was like, all right, I know how to, I know how, I now know how to spot fraud. Like, yeah. fantastic. <laughs> like, that's not happening again, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, same thing with, with the stock market. Like, you know, you know, the first couple stocks I ever did, it's like, okay, they didn't really do anything. They didn't go up, they didn't go down. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when I graduated from undergrad, I took like 50 grand and I, put it into like 10 or 11 stocks in the first six months, they had just absolutely tanked. Right. And on my previous experience, like if I would have had made a ton of money, I would have been like, my bias would have been like, Oh, well, everything should be going up. Like blah, blah, blah. Like I probably would have sold those stocks immediately and been like either panicked and not done anything or moved it to something else. Right. But instead I was like, look, like I, I did the research on these. I think they're, they're good. My, my thesis hasn't changed maybe I should buy more. So I bought more. And then six months after that, not only were they all back up to breaking even, but some of them were up like 30, 40, 50% from where I'd initially bought. And it's like, oh, so the faster you, you get in and the faster you start those mistakes one way or the other, sometimes I shouldn't say necessarily lose money because sometimes the mistakes don't necessarily mean you lost money. It might mean you made no money. Maybe you didn't make as much as you thought, but yeah. you learn faster that way than just having like, outsized gains like i know people that it's like i put my money in the bitcoin and and you know i went from ten thousand dollars to 100 grand and it's like okay why they're like i don't know it's like well great like you're gonna lose it and then when the bitcoin dropped in value guess what they lost everything so it's like you know and this was back in the first run-up on bitcoin i'm referring to not the last one but it's like oh and now this time they learned right they stayed in in bitcoin they bought at some of the dips and then it went from like whatever it was five grand to like 50 grand and they started liquidating it. They started using some put options and stuff on it to hedge their positions, so on and so forth. So mm-hmm. they started deleveraging their risk and all that type of stuff. But now we're, now we're starting to go down an investment lane, like <laughs> podcast on that, but good stuff. Good stuff. Contracts. You're back in, in the, in the Bay area in California. Do you see yourself staying, staying in California? Do you see yourself going back to the Virgin islands? Do you see yourself going somewhere else? Like where, where do you see the horizon yeah. coming up? So I think I have had a lot of fun with my travel contracts being in the Virgin Islands. That was kind of like a chill contract financially where I was just enjoying my time to prevent my, um, just have more fun. Um, But for the Bay Area, um, I'm getting paid well. I just picked up a per diem job. So I'm just gonna try to work as much as possible, keep my expenses low and then invest the money. So I'll be um, in Cali for some time um, cause I feel like I've been having a good time for my contract in the Virgin Islands. It was very fun, but the cost of living was expensive. Um, so I didn't, I guess, save as much as I could, but that's okay. Cause it was fun. Cause I think the cool thing about travel therapy is you can kind of like take contracts that don't pay as well and you can have an amazing time and you're still getting paid like, well, like, but it's not as much as it could be, but I think. I just, um, for now, I'm just going to take contracts that just pay well, um, where I don't really care about the location or the setting, um, just to improve my finances more. So that's, so I do plan on being in, in the Bay uh, for some time, or I'll be in California because I do have to change location sometimes with a travel contract, but I'm just going with the flow. Um, yeah. One cool thing, this this might be off topic, but I'm also going to TravCon. I was just um, about to bring it up. <laughs> so, so I'll be seeing you there. And also I'm actually setting up um it's a it's a it's a healthcare real estate meetup at TravCon. 
Um, so it's like an unofficial sponsored event that'll be happening. So yeah, just let me know. I'll, I'll help send that out. For those of you that don't know what TravCon is, um, I know a lot of you listening to this are PTs, OTs, nurses. Um, if you're interested in traveling or are already a traveler, there's a conference called TravCon. I'm excited because obviously with COVID, they canceled last year. Um, I've been to it the last two or three years. It is phenomenal. Um, just the materials that you get and you learn are awesome. The people that you meet are, are fantastic. Um, it's an awesome conference. It's in Vegas every year. I can't remember the date. Um, is it in September this year or October? Uh, uh, September 26th through September 29th. Those got are it. The, the conference. Yeah, I got it. So I, I will be there on one of those days. I think I'm, I'm, I'm presenting the travelers on uh, Monday, I think it is. Okay. And I know I, I just booked my flight. So I think I'm flying in Sunday and I'm flying out Monday night. I don't remember. <laughs> um, so I won't be staying there this year because I was going to have my wife come with me um, because her parents live in Vegas, but she can't come. So I'm like, I'm flying in, I'm flying out. Um, but yeah, you know, TravCon meetup, Jonas, you know, let us know when you have that. We'll send that out as well um, to get that going also. Um, any, any last words? Again, amazing story going from a negative $119,000 in net worth to a positive net worth within two years. That is awesome. Um, what just actually, I'll ask you that. What's your next, next goal for net worth? Like what, what's the magic number that's coming up next? Yes. So I guess I have different goals. Um, fight like, do you mean like, like, like what's a financial number that I hope to make a month per year? Just any type like of goal. Just like, what do you, because we always talk about people like, I want this big number, but it's like, you got to go to these individual goals to get to that big number. Right. So just where do you see like two or three things that you're focused on? Like you said, like when you're in school, focus right now, focus, like yep. what is your primary focus on getting done? Let's just say over the next six to 12 months um, and then go from there. Yep. So in the next six to 12 months, I plan to buy another real estate property. I'm still figuring out if I'll do another multifamily or a short-term rental. Um, and then also I want to in increase my income. And another non-financial goal is um, I just recently took a mixed martial arts class for this contract. So there's Muay Thai and Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. I figured, hey, if I'm here for a contract, I might as well pick up a new sport. Um, and it's been amazing. I, yeah. So I'm doing Brazilian jujitsu two days a week and Muay Thai three days a week, which is like a punching, kicking, using elbows, knees. And I think those classes are crucial because they're very fun. So each time I go, it turns off my therapy brain and I'm able to refresh myself from going to the classes. Um, which I think it's very important for your mental health. If you do have like financial goals to um, just to refresh yourself and have fun on the journey, because if it's not fun, you're going to burn out and you're, and, and you're going to hate your life. Because I think it's important to to enjoy the ride and to do fun things that are meaningful to you as you're pursuing your financial goals, whatever they may be. Exactly. That is the key. Making sure you don't burn out because we see a lot of people do that, too. And yeah. burning out doesn't get you anywhere. So that is is exciting again thank you for coming on um before we end any last words any any pieces of advice or what's the number one piece of advice or anything that you want to share before before we end the podcast sure i'm just going to do a little self-promotion here go for it i uh, just i just 
made a group called Rate My Therapy Company. It's a group for therapists to rate and review therapy companies, um, just to kind of, um, just to know what other companies do and to increase transparency. There's a Facebook group called Rate My Therapy Company and I just made a website uh, about two weeks ago and just launched called ratemytherapycompany.com. So that's been pretty good. And also I would recommend just to read books. So there's one book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad that kind of changed my whole mindset on finances um, and just listen to podcasts. My main podcast for real estate is called Bigger Pockets. That, that, that really just changed my mindset on real estate. But yeah, feel free to follow me on Instagram if you have any questions, my Instagram handle is at uh, doc, so uh, dr uh, period t underscore dpt. So doctor t dpt. So yeah. feel free to reach out with anything. I can talk for days. I mean, this <laughs> it flew by. It feels like I just began with Joe. Um, but feel free to reach out if you have any other questions on Instagram or social media. Yeah, we'll definitely put all the links in the notes and all that type of stuff too. So that way. You guys know how to get a hold of Jonas and, and go to the websites and everything. And it's been fun. Um, I, like I said, I love doing these interviews, especially, you know, like when I hear a story like yours, cause it pumps me up. We, we get into those days where it's like, you know, I sit here and I, you know, we're building technology all day long and I'm looking at algorithms and I'm like, why the hell am I doing this? I could be on the Virgin islands, like relaxing, like <laughs> this is bullshit. Um, <laughs> within these stories it's it's you know like i always tell people it's the workshops and the stories because like when we do the workshops and i'm in person and, mm -hmm. and you can see the response from people it, it pumps you up and then when you hear stories you know it's like you like I, you said you came on the fit bucks three years ago and you know we talk to people and then it's like you know they're all excited but it's like okay they're actually gonna do it and it's like seeing where you're at now three years later it's like th this is awesome like you right. know people are doing it so Awesome. 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 Well, thank you again for coming on. Um, and we'll be talking to, to you shortly and Third. yeah, thanks again. Thanks for having me, Joe. Appreciate it. Appreciate yep. everything. No problem.